0: Do we need to say more things?
1: Um, no, I, I feel like we haven't really said anything.
0: <laughs>
2: I know. I'm Beth. I'm Rachero, And I'm Anoni. And you are listening to Everything is Content.
0: This is the weekly pop culture podcast where we take you foraging for delicious content in the wilderness of the internet. Make sure you follow us on
1: Instagram at Everything is Content Pod, where we'll share memes, have deep discussions, give you book recommendations, and just generally have a nice little chat.
2: So guys, what has been on your timelines this week?
0: White Lotus season three and the cast announcements have been all over my timeline. I saw that Amy Lou Wood from Sex Education has been one of the announced cast members, but I don't really recognize any of the others. Do you guys know of any of the other people?
1: First was so excited for White Lotus to return, but I just kept getting caught by the hoax tweets of like people that were going to be on (laughs) White Lotus and getting so excited and then finding out they weren't real. But I did see that Parker Posey from um, Josie and, and the Pussycats. Josie and the Pussycats, Can't yeah. look what else. But everyone's really excited for her to be on the show.
2: Yeah, I'm really, really excited for that. Um, but it sort of has missed me despite being a huge fan of the first two. Hmm. Either I didn't keep up with it or like you, like I, I saw a hoax that Rosamund Pike was gonna be on it. I got really excited. RIP. Saw I had been scammed and fooled and was like, I'm never gonna fall for this again.
1: <sighs> but apart from Amy Lee Wood, yeah, I don't know that many of the other characters, but I was just thinking in the previous seasons... There have been actors, maybe they have been big, actually. No. Last season, because Megan Fahey, we'd all watched The Bolton, uh, right? Yes. And Audrey Plaza, yep. the world's girlfriend, who I love.
0: One thing I will say is, I remember when the cast for the second series got announced, I had this weird feeling in my heart where I was like, none of these people fit this show. I don't know where it's going to go. I love them, but, oh, I don't know if the second one's going to be really good. And I got it the same time again. And I think, I don't know, obviously... Mike White is just amazing, and I think he's obviously going to pull together a third season. But I really just don't like the change. I feel like something about it's like, oh no, I want my friends to come back. I want Tanya to be back. I felt the
1: exact. You're so right. When the second season rolled around, I was like, no, I want the same characters. Yeah. But then I thought the second season was better than the first. 100%. So I think
2: I kind of want to watch the first season again and yeah. the second season. Should we rewatch? Should we yeah, do re-watch? definitely do a rewatch. So. I think it builds on the universe each time. I just saw Patrick Schwarzenegger's in it.
0: Yes, who is
2: son of Arnold? Arnold. Arnie. Uh, didn't know not know who he was an actor i just thought he was a boyfriend of famous women so fantastic news <laughs> i think i have actually seen him in something but i can't think what carrie coon who i don't know if you guys you probably recognize her she was in one of my favorite shows of all time the leftovers no. which um had justin theroux in it it was a smash hit a really weird show one of the best so she is like a, i think she's a real cult hit so i think she's got that prestige element so i'm really excited to see her Ooh. so maybe this series is like less more understated in terms of the cast but they're all big hitters they're all really really talented
1: I was thinking as well because the whole cast again to my knowledge is completely white and I know that is kind of Mm. like I guess that's an aspect of the show because it is always, always about privilege but
0: N- it, Natasha the, Rothwell's coming back Is she yes. the masseuse?
1: Okay. But then she's the only person of colour or black woman I think that's on them
0: That we know of, yeah yeah. Right. yeah
1: yeah. I'm interested to see how this choice of cast is like intentional in terms of all of them being white And whether or not that's going to play a part in the, in the storytelling
2: mm. So yes, cannot wait for White Lotus Have no idea when it's happening but I'm sure it's going to bring us infinite joy when it does Yes Anoni, have you got anything from your timelines to bring to the table? Yes. And I'll be surprised if it hasn't been all over your timelines as
1: well. It is the new back to black Amy Winehouse film directed by Sam Taylor Johnson yes. starring Marissa Abella as Amy Winehouse. So far, so negative, And I, I am inclined to agree. Um, have you guys
2: seen much about this? I saw in production, people were really criticizing yes. it from yeah. the beginning to this point when we've got a a trailer, critique. I saw Mark Ronson defended it at whatever award show he was just at, but overwhelmingly, like you say, criticism. People are not happy with this. It feels very disrespectful um, to a lot of viewers.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm the same. I saw the trailer. I already kind of preempted that the trailer was going to spark off the discussion again. What did you think about it?
1: I personally, my first thought is let this woman rest mm-hmm. i do not know how many biopics films exhibitions so things need to be made about her life i think her music stands to tell a story in of itself i think she's like a musical genius and i she is one of those losses that when i think about the fact that she's gone actually genuinely makes me upset and yeah. there's not that many famous people that i still hold like a no like it genuinely makes me feel sad so the idea there's something about like bastardizing her for another film that I just find like mm.
2: it's not been that long. It would be in her lifetime were she alive. Yeah. It just does not feel a respectful distance. And it feels like for who's, her legacy, like you say, stands on its own. It's not like she needs, uh, a, you know, te- this story needs to be told. We were, It's in living memory that yeah. hmm. all of this happens. Um, I know her father's involved and people are very unhappy with that, that he would continue to, to perhaps make money from, the decline uh, of, of his daughter in just the most tragic way. Like what she went through, what the press did, what the media did to then yeah. feed the media, this story, a retelling of the worst moments of her life. Yeah. The best as well. But from what I've seen from like the press photos, it's, it's the moments when her partner is arrested. It's the moment when she's running through the streets being harassed by paparazzi. Those things happened, but we have video evidence of that happening. Yeah. Do we need to recreate it for a paying audience yet again. It feels like spectacle. It feels so icky. I'm so uncomfortable with it. Mm. Also, some of the criticism was
1: saying that Marissa doesn't, like facially, she doesn't represent the the, the unusual kind of striking features that were so important and so part of Amy's look. And Mm -hmm. she kind of is like a a prettier, not pretty is not the right word because I think Amy's beautiful, but like a, a more whitewashed kind of palatable version of Amy. And it just doesn't feel like she's doing a service by amy and like her uniqueness Mm
2: -hmm. something about it just feels so odd and uncanny it feels very hammy the costuming i don't like i'm I'm sure that they've done like a good job on it but it just doesn't some there's a disconnect there and i just find it so i find it revolting
1: the film's out in april um i don't know if i'll see it but i'm very interested to see what the reaction's like who it's for and maybe we will be proven wrong Yeah,
2: Yeah, I I, yeah, I'm tired of the biopic thing, but I mean, they're not slowing down. Absolutely not. So, guys, I have broken a promise myself already this week. What is it? You're going to be disappointed. So, I've already started watching Love Island. I've told everyone that I wasn't going to do it. I was so proud of myself. I was like. I'm done with Love Island, this this new series. So it's like an all-star series. So I was like, oh, that's not real Love Island. I'm not going to watch it. I'm watching it. And? Is it good? Dreadful. I oh. mean, okay, no, that's too harsh. It's not great. So I'll set the scene of what this one is. It's not like normal Love Island. It is like normal Love Island, but all of the contestants have been on previous UK series. And they're not like... They're quite big names for their series. I'm not saying they're the most famous people to come out of it, but they're all recognizable. If you, like me, have watched every single episode of Love Island to date, which shamefully I have, you'll recognize <laughs> every single person that's on there so far. From, as it go back to like series one, like Series the oldest oh my person? my God, they have Hannah and Louie from series one which series one was an absolute wild west they didn't know the show was going to be successful so it was a reboot of a celebrity show they got loads of ordinary people in they smoked they drank they shagged on top of the covers so they had people from that series who have obviously been out of the spot or like been in and out of the spotlight for the last decade and then they have people from the last series which is a very different animal so it's really interesting to see who they've got back how they're interacting but Mm -hmm something about it just doesn't feel like Love Island. And I think Love Island hasn't really felt like that for a while, but Mm -hmm. this more than ever, it just feels like influences mingling, a little bit of like a fame top up, a little bit of like a return to public life, but it just doesn't feel like any one of them are actually there for love.
0: Yeah, I have a confession. I also watched the first episode for (sighs) Discourse um, and I completely agree, it was so depressing. I also thought it was quite cruel Oh, okay. Tell me why. So, right at the end, they bring back one person from season six who has recently broken up with the partner they made during the Love Island series six. And, you know, bam, they bring back that ex girlfriend as like a, oh, you know, controversy. This is going to be twist, our yeah. twist. I felt so grossed out. And, you know what? I've said this before. I love reality TV. Lots of the reality TV I love is disgusting. But it just felt so mean. Oh, so on he, his part, for him. Yes. for Yeah, for all of them. Like, they've got two recent exes they brought in as a twist.
1: Do you know what else I was just looking through the cast, and I think it's interesting, is some of the people on here, like Georgia Harrison, for example, she's such a well-known person now in the celebrity mm. arena. She's had so much media training. Mm. Love Island works off the idea that, like, you kind of aren't as aware, so this celebrity reboot, to me, feels like it won't work because they're just too...
0: Self-aware. They're they just know what they're doing. Yeah, They've been
2: in the fame machine that long. That, which is why, actually, Rachir, when you said that you felt sorry for them, what I thought was, this is all set up. Which is really interesting. And I think ah. that's, that's a guess. I'm completely speculating that this couple, Molly and Callum, yep. because bro- they broke up six months ago. In my head, this is all planned. And maybe the reason I'm suspecting that is because I know how media trained they are. Oh. They have been in this fame machine for this long they know what such it takes to succeed on a season. But also interestingly though, to what it takes is often controversy, big moments. And I think they can manufacture those, but they are best when they are natural. When it's yeah. like a row, or when it's like a really funny one liner or when it's like a natural friendship. Hmm. I think it's going to be very contrived. So are you going to be watching it after watching the first episode? Should I be watching? No,
0: I don't think so. Don't
2: get sucked in because I am already a little bit sucked are in. Are you? Yeah, which is such a shame. I said I wasn't going to do it. I think there's nothing going on really in my life right now so i will be watching it if i'm still watching this in five i think it goes on five weeks we'll intervene there will need to be a wellness check for me but for the moment we'll take your laptop away unless anything crazy happens (laughs) i don't imagine we'll talk too much about it because i do think the audience is going to have a very similar reaction they know only people that like watching this are going to be diehard fans and i think they're going to be a bit disappointed
0: and is there a
1: normal love island season this summer i think so and will you be watching that
0: I don't think so you know last year was the first year that I didn't watch it after watching it religiously every single year I also think I don't know seeing seeing this happen seeing an all-stars cast it just makes me feel kind of depressed about the franchise as a whole it feels like I don't know they keep they keep trying to pump out winter Love Island they're doing this now there's a summer I think if they made the gap bigger maybe it would build up an appetite in me maybe I don't know if that would happen but because of Love Island constantly being in my mind because of all of these spin-offs, it just makes me more like oh i don't want it Ooh. we're fatigued aren't we we've i think reboots are exhausting i yes. think i've had enough
2: of unoriginal material remakes happen seemingly like three or four years after the original uh-huh. i that just fills me with horror if something is great the first time do we really need it done again
0: well we've had the mean girls reboot just this week of course the sing-along no, so the musical that was never said to be a musical.
2: Yeah, I've seen some clips of people in the cinema and when they start singing, they oh, just yes. like groan <laughs> that goes through the audience, which is really funny. Like I don't mind musicals, but you must disclose it to me. I actually have to say I love a musical. Are you going to watch this, Mean
1: Girls? I am going to watch it because I'm fascinated. I was really cross when I first saw the trailer because there are lines that are lifted that are exactly the same. It's, mm. not, like a, it's not like a remake where it's sort of, inspired by the characters are all called the same thing they do the same stuff like some of the the dialogue is changed to become more relevant to today's audience more like gen z or whatever but I was so shocked that they were making this like reboot so close to the original and then I found out it's actually based on the musical that Tina Fey like the Broadway musical yeah so that kind of made more sense to me I have to say I do feel like a boomer but I just have so much nostalgia for like the original cast the original outfits like even when I see kind of it doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel as expensive in a way, like when I see the production and like the costume and stuff. So I will watch it, just that fascination, but
2: I have a feeling it's not going to be for me. No, yeah, it's, it's kind of like an obligatory watch just to see. But did you see when they were like, this isn't your mum's mean girl? And I went, what do you mean? Your mum's. Like that was their marketing. This isn't your mum's mean girls. And Brood. Go, Excuse What year me.
1: did it come out? 2004, mean girls, 2004, was 2004, 2005, I think. So, so we were... Eight. So, so 20 okay. years I was ago yeah I'm being
0: very young like I watched it maybe five years after it came out because my parents wouldn't let me see it yeah I do so maybe <laughs> I guess if
1: you were of the generation that was a teenager when it came out plus 20 years you could be 36 you could have a teenager but not that likely It really. just
2: it just rubbed me the wrong way no I
1: agree oh, we, none of rude. us have teenage children we don't even have baby children not that we know of <laughs> not that we know of yet <laughs> It's interesting that we're talking about the reboot of Mean Girls when we've just been talking about Amy Winehouse. I don't know if you guys have seen it yet, but I just went to see Priscilla, which has obviously come out on the back of Elvis coming out. And it seems like biopics, reboots, it's all that seems to be coming out of Hollywood right now. And it's just all stories that we already know just being told in a slightly different way by a slightly different person. And I personally in 2024, I want to see really new, interesting stories being told by yes. diverse voices.
0: Yes. Yes.
2: So, we've got Love Island spin offs coming out the wazoo. We've got a Mean <laughs> Girl reboot. And I'm tired. I'm really, really tired. I, I think long gone are the days where we're content to watch 20 influencers in bikinis make very trite small talk. I, I just want to watch two dozen strangers murder each other in a castle. Hell oh, yeah. It's so little that I ask for.
0: this week TikTok has given us a new aesthetic and if you're not on TikTok that's basically the lexicon they use to describe a trend. So this week there's been an aesthetic that I've been kind of obsessing about it's called mob wife winter. Have you seen it? Yeah and
1: I feel like I've been living it for the past how many winters of my life.
0: Agreed it's literally been the aesthetic which in hindsight I feel like I've been Living, loving, laughing with for yeah. years of my life. So t-
2: tell me what encapsulates the mob wife. I assume I can guess, but I'm never sure with the internet.
0: Okay, so Carmela Soprano, Adriana. It's basically women in furs, cherry nail, nail varnish, big hair, big blowouts, like stiletto heels. It's giving luxury, but it's very loud luxury. Loads of people have been comparing it, almost like the binary of the quiet, luxury, clean girl aesthetic that's been dominating TikTok for ages. I have some stats. So Mob Wife Aesthetic currently, as a hashtag or, you know, as a phrase, has 59 million views on TikTok. Clean Girl Aesthetic has 7.9 billion. Wow. So it's not reaching the heights of Clean Girl Aesthetic just yet, but it's building. And this week, for some reason, it's kind of gone it's kind of gone bigger. I think more people are talking about it. You know how TikTok works. A few people talk about a trend. More people make videos about that trend. Then it starts a discussion.
2: Three gorgeous women talk about it on a podcast. It's
1: virals. I am so happy about this. And this is why you should never dress for trends. Just stay put in your trend that you like. And eventually it'll come to background to you. Because yes. I have always, I have got a big fluffy furry. fluffy. fluffy. I've got a big <laughs> coats in every colour fur I have every size gold hoop you can imagine Tank I've got suns, tons of sun- sunglasses like mob wife winters what I've always done I never do clean girl I never have done the quiet luxury mm-hmm. it's not in my remit it's not in my lexicon I do not have the clothes I do not have the cleanliness I for one am so glad that I stuck to my guns
2: and that I wear my ridiculous outfits our and they, time is I'm, here I'm,
1: I'm, I'm back in I fashion mean, people, girlies the yes. listeners can't see but
2: is <laughs> dressed head to toe in leopard print she's got gorgeous gold jewelry on um, this is quite mob wife. It's also, I think, I realised Janet from France. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you know what I, I see? It, but I, I see both of you in a mob wife. My thing thank you. is, oh, thank you, Beth. Thank you. Oh, is it mob wife or is it just winter and people are wearing big coats? Yes. Are we? Is this a prediction of a trend, or is this just saying, God, a lot of people have got coats on. People just call anything an a anything
1: oh an a set. Also,
0: core adding core to mm. the end of everything suddenly solidifies it as a thing, or like, era. Yeah, like did you see clown core? Did you see Gawp core? Anti core? There's There's too many cores, guys. I'm caught out. I think what bothers me is that
2: they'll do all of this and then they'll share it. And like, I'm just looking now through the TikTok comments on these videos of mob core. People are going, oh, no, no, I'm not ready to let go of my clean girl. I'm not ready to let go. Precisely. You you don't have to. I think once you get older and you've been through enough trend
1: cycles, it's like, I don't care now what's. Like if it's into a high waisted jeans or if it's into a whatever, like I wear whatever fits my body. I will never probably wear a skinny jean again. But that's just me. No, no. Same. And
2: you do emancipate yourself from that as you get I older. Yes. So maybe I'm being like kind
1: of a, a, a bit of a mean girl. But this thing of trans, I am really interesting. I was actually listening to an episode of The Rest Is History. And they were talking about fashion in the 60s and kind of the swinging 60s and how London became the epicenter of this kind of style. It's actually a really interesting episode and they talk about Twiggy and how they kind of were really fetishizing people looking very young and everyone was wearing like really big doe eyes and like any lipstick and it was all about looking really young. But they were also talking about how it was all a myth that everyone was dressing in this style and like actually at the time people were writing like magazine articles and they were like, no one is dressing like this. Mm. But in pictures and in like, it's, a law it's a story it's a myth it's like how people talk about london in the 60s but actually most people weren't wearing yeah. many skirts well, or dressing what like is that it's the
2: predominant trend now how will we look back at this because i do feel like there are so many disparate trends well, This one i was going to say is interesting
1: because what is happening because of the internet is you do actually see people going around all wearing literally exactly the same outfit in different fonts like if you have any gen Z people living in your area they are all wearing an iteration of the same outfit. And it's kind of fascinating to watch them go around. They're wearing trainers that my dad, oh, they were last <laughs> month wearing trainers that my dad yeah. owns. And dad I cool. was like,
2: fascinating. And then
1: everyone's wearing like a puffer jacket with a red scarf. Red scarves are such a thing. Like it
2: seems like it's such a non-accessory. Um, and I don't want to sound like Anne Hathaway's character at the beginning of The Devil Wears Prada <laughs> being like, oh, I'd never do that. And like, yeah. it applies to me. I yes. get it. Like we, we participate in trends. It religion. has trickled it, down it, to us. Personal style matters. I find it Fascinating. I just find the crossover with the way that we'll have a trend cycle and fast fashion companies will churn out new styles, will line the pockets of, you know, billionaire male CEOs, and it just doesn't feed into a culture of individuality or actually no. embrace and enjoying fashion and enjoying clothing. So maybe I'm, I, I'm making my mind up about it and I, I don't want to be a grouch. I don't want to see people dressing as mob wives and kind of roll my eyes and go, you did what the internet told you. Like we all do, we all do follow trends, but... It's maybe just knowing you're allowed to opt out.
1: And I don't want to blame the influencers, as you know, famously, I am one. But I was thinking about this with hair trends. Like for, at one point, do you remember, everyone was dying their hair blonde, but with like, they were doing that purple shampoo thing, and it was really like white and silvery. And then it went back to kind of natural. And if you buy into that, you're changing your hair up every like two to three months. It's costing so much money. If you're following these trends, that means every few months, you've got to buy a whole new wardrobe of stuff. So all it is really is cash cow It's going to need to buy new things I don't know if these young tiktokers are inadvertently creating trends because they need content so they're like let's switch it up or if they're also beholden to something else all I know is that big fashion (laughs) whoever the big daddy of the world of fashion is they are making so much money out of these trends and that's where I kind of this is that upsets me because it's like that isn't what fashion style should be about but no. it is, it's just so capitalistic,
0: isn't it? So I read a piece by Francis Sola Santiago, I think I'm saying the name right, on Refinery 29 from 2022. She titled it, Is there personal style in the era of TikTok aesthetics? And I think that kind of ties in everything that we're talking about, which is I feel like there's a lot of people having personal style by kind of ascribing all of these identities of fashion constantly and just kind of falling into a trend every few months and not really developing this idea of what makes my identity when it comes to how I dress and what I present as and they wrote that basically it's kind of playing into the overconsumption of everything if we're just going to be clean girl and then the next month be mob wife era Mm. you're not going to achieve that unless you know you're the one percent by getting Versace vintage or Dolce & Gabbana you are just probably going to be going to Zara, Primark, H&M to make those looks happen and get away with it so I don't know, all of these trends just kind of basically fall into the same stuff we always talk about, which is overconsumption. Totally.
2: And if you're buying it and then you're throwing it away in yeah. that quick succession, that's a problem.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's
1: nice to take something from each trend. Like I love the scrape back hair. I'm gonna keep that with me through all of my eras. I still love a blaze. Like I I like picking and choosing from each thing. And I do want to grow old and be Helena Bottom Carter levels of wacky.
2: Like I want to wear two different shoes. Wacky, what's it called? Wacky, wacky core, wacky, wacky core, quacky walk, quacky walk, coming (laughs) soon.
1: Okay, everyone. Last week we went on a school trip as the Everything Is Content podcast, and we went to a screening (laughs) of Poor Things and. My life has not been the same since. No, I've not
2: stopped thinking about it.
0: No, I, I'm exactly the same. Oh, thank God. I don't think I've been that shocked by a film ever. Saltburn? How does it rate on Saltburn shock?
1: But saltburn was shocking, but in a way that was sort of like... It was very tame shock. This, I think, was surprise shock. Yeah, yeah. this was like something I've just not... It, it made me uncomfortable because I didn't know how to feel about mm. it. Saltburn was kind of like gross and disgusting, but it's nothing that I've not... Yes. Seen or heard of before.
0: Right from the jump, I feel like the premise of this is just like so unsettling and so like a slap to your face. So
1: it's kind of like a modernised take on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. And then the more recent book of
2: the same name, Poor Things, by Alistair Grey.
1: Which I haven't read. Have you guys read it?
2: I, no. Yeah, I've got it on my Kindle and I've looked through the, the early bits because I was so curious. I think it's a Glaswegian author and it's it's set in, it's, it's apparently like a really, really good uh, political novel about Glasgow as well as being mm. about what it's about, which is very difficult to talk around.
1: <laughs> so it's directed by Yawoslanth Moss, who you might know from his direction of The Lobster and The Favourite. And it's a fantastical story about Bella Baxter, who is a young woman, and she's brought back to life by an unorthodox scientist. She's reanimated with not all of her original parts, shall no. we say. Yeah. The, the, the movie starts and we meet this Bella Baxter character and she is a fully grown woman visually, but she doesn't have like full linguistic skills. She kind of wheezes on the floor right at the beginning of the movie. And so straight away, it's quite unsettling. And as it progresses you're kind of faced with an ethical conundrum throughout throughout the film. Yeah. It is a
2: coming of age story in just the most bizarre setup. It's so hard to talk about it because I think a lot of us went in not knowing really what to expect and I think that's a great way to yes, see it. I mean, look for certain trigger warnings and things like that but I think it's a really good way to see it to be completely surprised by it but that's the setup. It is modern day Frankenstein. It's sort of like Dracula. It's like a, a creature that is, is human but with the addendum of of not fully human or not human in the way that we understand who is human and who gets to be like autonomous.
1: I think one of the things that I just loved so much was the world that was created. So it it kind of like, it's based, it's kind of like magical realism. Would you say that that's- Yeah,
0: like, it's, it's cartoonish. Like the real yeah. world becomes almost like Alice in Wonderland. Yes,
2: like. Alice in Wonderland's a really good a really good reference for it. Yeah, it's recognizable as the world that we live in in a kind of Victorian world. But yeah. There's so many adjustments and I think- Lanthimos does this in a lot of his films he'll thrust you into a world and not hold your hand through it you kind of have to discover it That's as how you go so she's on this sort of odyssey I won't give too much away but we see the world and it's a world that is recognizably you know Europe and the UK but in this really fantastical bizarre way some ways which are so brilliantly funny other ways which are really heartbreaking so I, I, I think he does an incredible job of like world setting hmm. So, Bella Baxter is played by Emma Stone. Uh,
1: The movie also stars Mark Ruffalo, Willem Dafoe, and Rami Youssef. It is an all star cast. The acting is some of the best acting I've ever seen. I think this time of year is always amazing for film, obviously, because it's like the Oscars season. But I think for me personally, this film ticked every single box. I was absolutely blown away. I want to watch it again. I thought it was a performance of a lifetime from all of them what did you guys think
0: so I agree I completely agree I thought Emma Stone was amazing she's so charming in this character which basically challenges you to identify with her but like I don't know you just do you just do she makes you fall in love with her I thought her physicality was incredible Mm. the way she contorts her body to be this you know Extraordinary character is insane.
2: We were watching it together, so we were in in the row in the cinema, and there were so many moments when we were laughing uproariously, and then we'd all I'd look away because there were yeah. some moments where you just oh, yeah. either it catches in your breath and it's so upsetting, or it's very disconcerting, or just gruesome. And I think we had those very visceral reactions, which yeah. is what he does so well. He draws that out of the audience, and I love I loved the world. I loved as you said, I loved Bella Baxter. I mm. loved so she was created by the scientist Godwin, known to her as God. And and they have this very interesting relationship. Mm. And I mean, it's just, it's so much to think about leaving it. I want to go and see it again just so I can have yeah. m- more things to think about. Me too. Because I think obviously when you're watching it for the first time, there
1: are all of these shocks and surprises. And there's this huge, massive plot storyline, which is so thick and rich. But then beyond that, there's this gorgeous costuming, which I honestly cannot stop thinking about. Gorgeous. There's the acting and there's, there's, there's so much, it's so rich in every sense of the word. Yeah. And it's done amazingly well. Like uh, Emma Stone won the Golden Globe for it. I wouldn't be surprised if she they will win Oscars. I did see a negative review in the Times Two Mac um, by Alice Thompson, and it's called "Poor Things and the Trouble with Too Much Sex." What we haven't touched on is that this film is full of sex. This film is sex. This Mm -hmm. film is literally the embodiment of sex. You can smell sex through the screen while you're watching it, and. Even though I felt conflicted and confronted throughout the film with some of the sex scenes, I felt in an almost like in an argument with myself about whether or not I was allowed to be watching. I felt like a voyeur, but then I also was enjoying it. Blah blah. She finishes this piece and says, um, "Everyone will hail it as a triumph. Lanthimos and Stone will win every award. It will have a cult following. Just not me." It didn't feel like a feminist rewriting of a great novel, more male fantasy about a ravishing nymphomaniac dressed up as modern classic.
0: I read that review and I could not disagree more with a review. I thought everything she said was just so different to what I thought. I'm going to bring up something I referenced last week, which is Emma Garland's uh, essay in Gabrielle about sex. And in it, she talks about how we've got to the point that there's maybe two depictions of sex that we have in the media more modern media post Me Too, which is either traumatic interpretations of sex that we learn from or moralistic Mm. depictions of sex, like in sex education, depictions that we're meant to learn from. In this, I thought what they did was show all the massive gray area of sex. Sometimes sex is boring. Sometimes sex is wildly out of this world amazing. Sometimes it's bad, but not traumatic. Sometimes it's kind of uncomfortable, kind of pleasurable at the same time. I thought he did that incredibly. Do you know you're
1: so right and when i was watching it i think th- th- where i felt uncomfortable at the same time i felt comforted by the fact that emma's character bella is constantly enjoying herself she is insatiable she wants to get fucked and she likes it and so that you're never feeling there are some uncomfortable moments there are scenes where she's like not enjoying it as much but as you said it never feels traumatic you never feel like she's really doing something against her her will it's kind of all, almost about female pleasure and that's an interesting angle for me mm-hmm.
2: it's desire it's yeah. she's driven by her base impulses yeah. and I find it really interesting that we would say like coming of age like a or not even just coming age of a, a total discovery arriving in the world why wouldn't you be driven by why wouldn't a woman be driven by her desire for sex her love of yeah. sex her love of pleasure and that's what it is it is discovering the world and its sensations I mean it's the same with food she eats as though it's her first meal. She loves food. She spits out what she doesn't want to eat. She fucks (laughs) when she wants to fuck. I, I I really read this review, I read the end of that review and I was like, I just don't see it. Why? It's not a, you know, we're all created in, in this sort of patriarchal image. We are yes. filtered through the world that we live in, but sexual desire, it, it springs from someone really primitive. Mm-hmm. What's so interesting is I think you could watch the film in both ways. There is an element, when I
1: was watching it, I felt conflicted on both those spheres where it's like, as I said, am I a voyeur? This this creation in to some po- uh, in some way does feel like she's a sex doll, like she's been created for the pleasure of men. But then, as you say, at the same time, she's got no social conditioning around what it is to be a woman, what sexual desire is, what pleasure is. And it's kind of like us unlearning our own, well, my specific Catholic guilt, but anything we've been taught around sex. It's like, imagine if we didn't have all of these beliefs around like masturbation, female pleasure, whatever. Maybe we would be approaching the world in the way that that Bella Baxter does. Yeah, totally. Completely. So it's interesting because I can see I could see both sides. I can see why someone would feel icky watching it. I could see why someone would feel reserved or feel as though this is quite like a porny show for the for the male gaze or male desire. But at the same time, she literally has everyone wrapped around her finger because she just wants to get laid all the she time. D- she and does. she comes out on top.
0: So one thing I thought was really interesting is with Mark Ruffalo's character, mm. he perceives her to be almost like his sex object. He feels like he's in control. But I thought it was really telling how once she starts speaking her mind and she just basically isn't, you know, a baby doll sex object that he wants her to be and just says how she feels, wants to fuck kind of more than he does, kind of makes friends on her own will, does what she wants to do. He just can't handle it. I I don't think it's, you know, presenting her as a sex doll. I think it's unpicking the idea that on the surface, kind of men would love if we were like that in a way. definitely, And when we're not they really struggle with that power imbalance and I think by having her be this kind of Frankenstein creature, it exposes that in a really stark, like blatant way.
2: It's a film about male control, it's a film about how mm, women are completely. still, women are allowed to adventure but only under the understanding that they will return to the fold, yeah. yes. women are allowed to fuck but only as, you know, as it serves a man, women are allowed to go out but they must come back, even the quote unquote good male characters in this are agents of male control of female subjugation. And it's so interesting what they do throughout the film and how this film ends and on the note it ends and what that says about what is possible for a woman, what is possible when we, you know, she she comes into consciousness in this world. So she begins it as a reanimated woman. She learns this world through her fucking and eating and traveling. And by the end, it's almost like, will she... Will she end this film a beaten down woman or will she retain that glee, that joy, that power? Mm. And that's, I think that to me all through the film, I just thought, what is going to happen? Like what will, what will that mm. final scene be? And will that be something very feminist or will it be like the ending of um, what's that Emerald Fennell film? promising Promising a woman woman, which I think was really sour for me so I think that is watch that watch the film with that in mind
0: one thing I think is happening with this I kind of feel like it's getting salt burned in the same way that people are assuming it's a feminist retelling of Frankenstein Mm. has has the director even said that has the book even been about that because I don't think this needs to be a feminist film Mm -hmm. as Emma Stone I think said when she collected her Emmy she said it's about a rom-com with Bella falling in love with life and that's the lens through which I see it and when you see it like that I'm I just think it's a roaring success of a film I don't really understand why it needs to be a feminist film that's not me saying that um films are good if they're not feminist or films are bad if they are that's just me saying, I don't understand where this lens has come from that yeah. we're
2: applying to this. That's interesting, because I've read a lot about that. I've also read a lot of people who are beginning to look at it through a disability lens, a kind of mm. neurodiversity lens. I think it because it's so rich, there are many ways to view it. But you're right, it stands alone as this, exactly as she says. There are so many ways you could
1: read this. I wouldn't be surprised by any take, because... There are so many elements and I could live in the Bella Batsa universe. I could happily have sat in that cinema for another six hours and just <laughs> seen yeah. where she went. I've never been so absorbed, enthralled. I feel bereft that I'm not with her anymore anymore. It's truly something different. And we were talking about original stories. And this for me is like, wow, look where cinema can take us. And it's it's beautiful. It's strange. It's new. It's challenging. It's not on the nose. I'm glad it's complex, complicated and messy and not sort of this flattened,
2: polished, politically
1: correct feminist retelling. This has
2: guts, gore, vulgarity, humor, just real grit to it and it's just it's so fantastical and so gorgeous and we laughed and we cried and we were I think we were so in it and actually yeah I didn't even begin to think these things until I left the cinema which Mm. I think is testament that's what I want I want to go to cinema live in a world for a while and then later I'm I can't stop thinking about it I don't want to be in there doing analysis and going I can see exactly what they're saying with that and
1: Hmm. you're right about this I felt my whole body like my stomach was churning and then I felt my loins were burning and then I was like a sensory overload in a good way i agree in the way that cinema i don't think sometimes you watch something and you're like oh that was fun this really i was like i'm in faye our producer was basically completely vomiting because she hates anything (laughs) if you are squeamish about like surgery or something this might not be for you because we were all like it was amazing and faye was just green (laughs) (laughs) it's out in cinemas and you need to go and see it and tell us what you
0: think as well let us know yeah please dm
1: us because i could talk to you about it all day
0: So if you do want to check out the costumes from Poor Things, you can go to the Barbican. They actually have an exhibition on with all of them and they're gorgeous. It's going to be there until the 26th of January. So definitely, definitely go.
1: We obviously are all plugged into the traitors and I know that you guys are as well. But if you want another bit of very excellent television, I have to recommend Mr. Bates versus the Post Office. It is on ITV, so you can get it on the ITVX. Platform, is that what it's called? Yes. Nice. And it's basically about the post office scandal, which started in 2003. And it is a dramatized retelling. The actors in it are great. And it's just such an important piece of British history, I think. First of all, I never want to go to the post office or post anything again, because I'm so cross. <laughs> you will cry. It's just honestly one of the highlights of British TV. I can't recommend it enough. And it's a really moving one. You can watch with your parents, you can watch with a boyfriend, you can watch by yourself, but do have a box of Kleenex nearby. Oh.
0: Mm no i'll definitely watch that the story is yeah the story is absolutely insane
2: remember we always leave all the links to what we discussed in the podcast description
0: make sure you subscribe leave us a review and do tell your friends if you love the podcast please do word of mouth really helps us out we'll see you this time next week and in the meantime we'll be over on instagram at
1: everything is content pod thanks for listening Bye. bye